the field and inside the clubhouse. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Now broadcasting live from American Family Field, here's Matt Foley. Tough night for the Brewers as they open up a series against Toronto and end up losing by a 9-4 score. Really, it is a five-run second inning for Toronto against Brewers starter Adrian Hauser that really does the club in. It felt in many ways that the game was over at that point. Toronto had a really good pitcher on the mound. The Brewers struggle offensively. Two of the four runs that they score come in the ninth inning when the game really wasn't in question anymore and just a tough way to start this series against the Blue Jays. We do welcome you into the program. My name is Matt Pauley, coming your way from American Family Field. We'll be joined by Vinny Rotino in just a little bit. He is wrapping up his television responsibilities, and then he is going to make his way up to uh, back up to the press box. I told him uh, to take a stopwatch, you know, like he's a first base coach or something, take a stopwatch and time how long it takes him to make it from there to up here. I believe this is the first time he has done the... Uh, at American Family Field, TV broadcast down the right field line, and then get up to the booth. So I, I, I told him today. I don't think he carries a uh, stopwatch with him, but I told him he should, you know, time himself today and every day get a little bit better, get a little quicker. You know, see how uh, see how you do making your way back up to uh, to the press box. He can get some uh, he can get some tips from Craig Kishon, who have made that made that trip many 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 times before. Uh, but in all seriousness, the Brewers did play a game today. They end up losing uh, 9-4, and if you do want to join us, you could do so. Multiple ways to get connected to the program, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. You can also uh, tweet at me if you'd like, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Uh, just This is one of those games where not a lot good happened. Um Tyrone Taylor hit a home run. That's good. I like. I, I continue to be on this thing of where one of the things I'm really watching with this team right now is the performance of Tyrone Taylor because he is all of a sudden such – not all of a sudden, but he is such a big part of who this team is, and he's kind of the guy on the roster that doesn't have the track record. And every single time he does something good, I feel like that's that's a good sign for this team. But – you also kind of look at some of the black holes in the lineup today and, and guys who did not perform especially well. And, you know, Willie Adamas has an 0 for 5 day. Uh, Rowdy Telez has an 0 for 5 day, and he had some opportunities for some really big hits, and he can't do it uh, against his former team. I mean, the Brewers have opportunities in this game. I said earlier it kind of felt like they were out of it when they got down 5 nothing, but in reality they, they weren't. They had a bases-loaded situation, um, and, and that was half of the runners that they leave on because they're not half, but uh, three of eight. Uh, they leave eight on. They go two for nine with runners in scoring position. I wouldn't say, you know, something that we talk about a lot on this program is the Brewers being that next hit, the one big hit away from a win. Well, they're not one big hit away from a win today. They're, they're a couple, two, three big hits away from a win today, but... The, the the hits were there, and they didn't come up with them. And then it's a day where, from a pitching standpoint, you just didn't get what you needed out of Adrian Hauser because he has that one big inning. He's now got a four and a half ERA, and we've seen Hauser when he is at his best. He is so good. He is so good uh, at, at inducing ground balls, at not being, at, you know, not really getting much in the air, and getting double plays when you need them. Uh, not guys not being able to make solid contact against them, 
but it really has been some single innings here and there that have kind of bit him. And that was something that Eric Lauer talked about. That seems to be uh, one of the things that's going on when we when we look at these Brewers pitchers. You you know what you have in Corbin Burns, and I would argue also with Brandon Woodruff. And I know Woodruff did not have the start to the season that he would like, and his numbers right now uh, are not great. But more than anything else, I I blame the Woodruff lack of success to start the season. Just I don't I don't think the short spring training did him any favors. And then who knows how much the the syndrome was actually maybe impacting him with us uh, without us not not knowing. Like I I think Woodruff is going to come back, and his next starts could be in the big leagues. I think he's going to be vintage Brandon Woodruff. That's my expectation out of Woodruff moving forward. So you kind of know what you get with Burns. You know what you get with Woodruff, and then the Brewers are just getting fantastic pitching. Uh, from Eric Lauer and Adrian Hauser, and now that has started to go away, and there's some similarities in some how, how some of their games are going. Eric Lauer talked about it a lot in his last start, how he could go really key in on one to three pitches that are the difference in his games from having a really good line and a not-so-good line. So when you get out of there, when you're when you're a pitcher and you've just thrown 90 to 100 pitches and you can sit there and say, I made one mistake. I made two mistakes. I made three mistakes. You feel pretty good about that. But it it may not look good on your stat line, and that's something that's kind of been going on with Eric Lauer. For Adrian Hauser, it's probably more than one to three mistakes, if we're being blunt about it. But the mistakes that he's making are coming in kind of a, a short amount of time, where all of a sudden he just sort of loses it, and then that ends up being the big difference in a game. And you look at what he has done from a runs, uh, giving up runs uh, over his last four games. He has given up five, three, four, and five runs uh, over his last four games. And the three before that, he went one, eight, one. So when we when we back it up to his last six starts, it goes five, three, four, five, one, eight. Uh, obviously, Things have gone in the wrong direction during that period. Over those starts that I just mentioned, his ERA has jumped from 2.98 to the 4.5 that it's at right now. Now, it's a small sample size, but that's still a fairly significant increase. So, something we'll talk about with Vinny Rotino when he gets here coming up after the news. What's going on with Hauser? Because it's it's confusing when he, he just kind of loses it. And, you know, with Freddie Peralta, a lot of times Peralta's struggles come, like, in the first inning. He gives up a run or two in the first inning, and then, boom, he locks it in after that. With Hauser today, it's the second inning. I know it's still early on in the game. But what's, what is what is happening when all of a sudden, kind of out of nowhere, it just kind of goes bad for him? So that's going to be one of our big uh, topic topics of discussion over the next hour or so. We are taking you till midnight. If you want to join us again, the phone number, 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. It's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Brewers come up short. They lose to Toronto by a 9-4 score. The news is coming up in two minutes, and then we're back with more after that here on WTMJ. Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. One strike, here comes Hauser. Swinging a soft fly ball to left. Yelich going to get there in plenty of time. And the inning's over. Three up and three down. Five and a half run the book. It remains five to one. Blue Jays on the Brewers Radio Network. 9-4 ends up being the final score. Brewers come up short against Toronto. Welcome back in. Brewers X Journeys rolls on live at American Family Field. 
Vinny Rotino, former Brewer, Valley Sports Wisconsin analyst, now joins us. Did you time yourself, Vinny, making your way from uh, from Nelly's Corner up here to the uh, back to the press box? You know what? I did it because I took a wrong turn um, out of the thing. I actually was in my car leaving, and I realized I had to come. No, I didn't leave, but I definitely took a wrong turn. So I gotta I gotta figure this this route up uh, to get up here. You need like Google Maps or something. Yeah, I do. I need a GPS. Ah, <laughs> uh, so. What what I was talking about before you got here, and I don't have an answer to it. I don't understand like, if a starting pitcher has a tough first inning, like the Freddie Peralta stuff. When Peralta comes out and gives up one, two, three runs in the first inning, and then locks in after that, that makes a lot of sense. Like the first innings are tough. Craig Council talks about that all the time. I don't understand that, and it can happen occasionally. But I don't understand the guys who routinely all of a sudden just kind of lose it for an inning in the middle of their outing, and then they get it back. And we've seen that a little bit with Hauser today. It happens in the second inning today. Last time it was the third or fourth when it happened. Like, What's happening there? So what happens with Adrian Hauser in particular is the fact that he just uh, he loses a, not that he loses focus. He gets frustrated with himself, and then he and then he all of a sudden starts making mistakes. He stops becoming that guy that executes in the moment that we've actually seen from him a lot last year, and then towards the beginning part of this year, he was that guy that would execute, would say, okay, I'm going to make a pitch here, and then whatever happens, happens. Process-oriented thinker, right? And that's kind of what Chris Hook has trained these guys to be. Adrian Hauser lately, especially that against that start against the Reds where he gave up three in the fourth, and he faced eight batters after getting two outs, and then tonight in the second inning where he gave up six straight hits, he lost focus. Tonight in particular, he gave up a 2-2 uh, single to Alejandro Kirk, a two-strike single to Hernandez, a two-strike 0-2 single to Tapia, and then you could see the damage wasn't done yet. Bases were loaded, and then all of a sudden, now the floodgates open, a hard double uh, by Matt Chapman, Guriel hit another double, and then Bijo. So it snowballed on him because he made mistakes to the guys earlier, and he wasn't able to stay focused and in the moment, and, and Adrian Hauser's got to get away from that. Other than that, he pitched great. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Um, he just got to get away from those those. It's not necessarily even an inning. It's those times where he just loses focus, he gets frustrated, and then he's not able to navigate through traffic. As a pitcher, how do you recognize, okay, this is, this is happening, and I, 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 need to, I need to stop it before it gets worse? Like, you know, come off the mound, take a step, do something to get a mound. Like, what, how do you stop it? So he's a human being, and so most of these guys are not going to be able to stop it. Now... It seems as if he was able to change this about himself as a pitcher last year. He did a great job of this. He always used to do what we see what we've seen from him the last two outings before last year. He would do this all the time. He would get into traffic and then he would leave a slider up out over the middle of the plate with the bases loaded and there would be a three-run double. I mean, you could you could book it for an Adrian, an Adrian Hauser start. Now what he is doing or what he learned how to do is again stay process oriented. It's snowballing on him this year, I think, because we saw a transformation from the entire pitching staff last year. I think this has a lot to do with it. Now, as a group, they're not as pitching as well, and so now there's a little bit more pressure on each one of these guys that think they have to throw up five zeros or six zeros in an outing every single time out. It's just not possible. So he's just got to – I think it's, it's collective as a group, and then also he's just got to somehow have a conversation with Chris Hook or with himself and say, hey, I'm not going to do that anymore. Easier said than done. 
his sinker is one of the best pitches in Major League Baseball. When when Major League Baseball puts together their list each year, like at MLB.com, of the best single pitches, Adrian Hauser's sinker is very often uh, listed on there. And his sinker today uh, threw it 57 times, throws it for a strike almost 70% of the time. Those numbers are pretty standard. It's not a strikeout pitch, obviously. It's a ground ball pitch. You only got one swing and a miss. That's fine. You got 28 swings. Although 28 swings and only one swing of a miss, that's a pretty extreme number. But still, it's not a it's not a strikeout pitch. But does it feel like teams are, and players and hitters are having more success against that very, very good sinker. It, it It's so hard to say yes to that because he did get nine ground ball outs yeah. tonight. So it's like, but he has been more of a, more of a towards league average in terms of ground ball numbers this year. So I think that's a product of him changing his repertoire just a bit. I think he's throwing more breaking balls and he's not throwing those for strikes. So it has a lot to do with how he's getting outs early in the count with that sinker tonight. He got some early swings. He got some ground ball outs. I think he's got to go back to really the basics of what he does and continue to attack the zone early with that sinker. And I think he'll have better success with that pitch. All right. So not to get too into the numbers here, but to, to illustrate what you just said his slider today is the pitch that he uses the second most amount of times he threw 27 sliders again 57 sinkers 27 sliders he doesn't throw any other pitch more than eight times in the game of his 27 sliders less than half of them were strikes so if you're a hitter and that second pitch that a pitcher is using let's not even worry about the change up or the curve but if the other pitch other than the sinker is only a strike half the time does that allow hitters to really just sit uh, sit two seam. Yes, it does. Absolutely does. Um, so that I think that has been a problem for him really his entire career is getting the secondary stuff over. I know he's tinkered with a lot of it. He's trying to change the shape of some of those pitches and how they come out of their hand, how it comes out of his hand. He's been slower to make these adjustments than, than some of the other pitchers that have taken steps forward with their secondary offering. So Adrian Hauser is just, he's just gotta, he's just gotta command the secondary stuff probably early in the count too to get ahead just to drop a strike in, and then the sinker has got to be his bread and butter. He's got to really go back again to the basics and try and figure out how to get outs with that pitch again. 9-4, the Brewers come up short against Toronto today. If you want to join us, you can do so, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. We're back with more in a moment. This is Brewers Extra Innings. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Pauley on WTMJ. Here it is, Yelich lines one over a leaping Espinal in the left field, I should say right field. One run's going to score, and the Brewers still in there. Brewers lose to Toronto 9-4. Brewers extra innings does continue on WTMJ. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620, or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Mike in Colorado, this is kind of funny. He texts in, seems like losing his arbitration bid wasn't the only thing that Hauser lost several weeks ago. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, hey, look, at the end of the day, I will I will give some insight into those. I, obviously, I've never been to arbitration, didn't have enough of uh, Major League service time to get there, but those are not fun to go through no. for, for players. I mean, they get they absolutely get trounced. I mean, their egos get stepped on with, with what uh, the arguments are presented against why they shouldn't be awarded the win in those cases. So um, 
you know, I, I don't think that had a, any bearing on how Adrian Hauser has been pitching, but um, it it certainly isn't fun to go through that. Yeah, I've always I don't get it. First off. If there's like a major separation, if we're talking two, three, four, five, six million dollar separation between the two sides, I get it. But if if there's a million dollars or less separation, which I would say is probably about eighty percent of these arbitration cases, generally it's like six hundred thousand dollars of separating the two sides. I wouldn't even say meet in the middle. If I'm a general manager of a baseball team, and I know it's not my money, it's somebody else's money, but I'm like it is it is worth the $1 million or less to not have to sit in a room with one of our players who we are going to be asking to perform at a high level and just poop on this guy for the better part of an hour. Yeah, tell him, yeah, tell him how bad he is and why, why he doesn't deserve the money. I mean, no, I mean, it happens every year to a lot of different players, and it's been happening this way ever since they started doing arbitration cases, so for decades. So I don't get – I actually I'm, – I'm with you. I don't quite get it. Why do they have to be in the room, <laughs> in fact? Like so, um, yeah. I'm sure that's not fun to go through. No. In what other world do you get your salary figured out in a room where your boss tells you how bad you are? <laughs> like we, you know, it's hard to do real life examples with pro sports, but you can you can reach for them. On arbitration, you just can't. Like I, I don't know in what what real life we as normal human beings who have normal jobs where we ever go through anything like that. Matt, your word documents are just <laughs> atrocious lately. Your paragraph spacing is off. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't see it either. TPS reports. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, no, I totally, I'm totally with you. Uh, it's very, it's a very strange process. Um, so I mean, and you got to go through it every year if you, if you, unless you agree to the deal that they offer for you so like Aaron Judge today they were able to come to terms between Judge and the Yankees uh, they already went through the hearing so he still had to go through the hearing and then they finally got it done but at least they're like okay this guy leads the world in home runs maybe if we just go ahead and avoid the the final decision he'll feel better about us at the end of the year they should do some data you know metrics around some some stats some advanced stats and metrics after a player has to listen to his arbitration case and how he performs for the next two months yeah and see what happens uh doug texting ends as pretty predictable tonight typical score when they go against a team that can hit like Groundhog Day over and over. Not that Kelly had anything to do with the loss, but will the real Trevor Kelly please stand up? I think he did again tonight. Uh, one more thing, move Taylor up the lineup and Urias down. All right, so let's – the other day, Kelly had that just incredible performance, and we were getting text messages from people talking about him having a a bigger, more high-leverage role. And when, when I got those messages, I was saying – I'm not trying to, you know, denigrate the guy, but let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. He's got a 6 ERA. So then today he really struggles out there and does not look especially good, giving up the three runs on three hits and the two home runs, and his ERA balloons to 7.31. I don't think that's who he is either, but this is this is not a team that's going to win and lose with Trevor Kelly. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, he's he's good against righties. He's given up 10 home runs this year. I'm sorry, five home runs, five home runs, 10, 10 earned runs in 15 innings, but five home runs, well, that's not even including tonight, and he did give up another one to Kevin uh, uh, Biggio. So he's six home runs in the 15 innings. That's a lot, right? So no. um, he's he's not a guy that's particularly a guy that you would go to in leverage spots for sure, and he has trouble getting lefties out. You, know, you and I were talking a little bit in the press box when they got down 5 nothing. and it kind of felt like, okay, this one's probably not going to go their way. 
But at the same time, they load the bases for Rowdy Telez, and he can't get it. They end up leaving eight on base. They go two for nine with runners in scoring position. They had some opportunities in this game to maybe get some big hits, and if you get it a little bit closer, then your bullpen usage becomes different, and maybe we don't see Kelly and we don't see Streslecki, and those runs aren't given up, and it's a different game. So a lot of times we, you know, we, we talk about that next hit. That's a Craig Council thing, the next hit. And I, I don't think today is the example of them being one hit away from winning, but I do think today is an example of them being one hit away from this game just going completely in a different direction. Yeah, I mean, it's a closer game right? Especially if Rowdy Telez comes up with a hit there with the bases loaded in the third as an answer to the the five-run second inning put on by the Blue Jays. So, yeah, it's a closer game. I think I think maybe you see a box burger if it is a one-run game uh, and see where you go from there. But it does matter when the Brewers score as to how they script the game out, right? Obviously, that, that goes without saying. And the, if they are winning after the sixth, they're bringing in box burger, they're bringing in Williams and they're bringing in Hayer. The game's pretty much over. And so um, it, it, it matters. And so, yeah, the game got a little bit out of hand because they had to go to some of their lower leverage arms uh, because they were losing 5-1. to one. Yeah. 855-616-1620. That is the Yankee Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Brewers come up short 9-4. More in a moment. This is Brewers Extra Innings. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. Swing and a fly ball left center. Deep and gone. Tyrone Taylor with a solo home run. That's his ninth. Makes it 8-2. Final score ends up being 9-4. Brewers lose to the Blue Jays. Game one of a three-game set. I'm Matt Pauley. Vinny Rotino here as well if you want to join us. 855-616-1620. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. A text from the 414 asking if Hunter Renfro is hurting. Manager Craig Council did confirm uh, in post-game today that he's a little bit banged up and uh, not available. You know, he This is two games in a row that he doesn't play. You see it the first time and you just assume, okay, it's a day off. There's really no reason. Reporters are not going to ask about somebody not playing every single time somebody's not in the lineup, but then it's two days in a row and reporters before the game talked to Craig Council uh, after the, or before I should say, the lineup was posted, so no reason to ask at that point and we finally find out a little bit later and that's another, we talked about this the other day Vinny, the Brewers win games when some combination of Willie Adamas, um, Rowdy Telez, and Hunter Renfro are hitting home runs. Well, if one of those guys is out of the lineup, he's not hitting a home run for you. You know, I mean, even just even just producing on on some level, an extra base hit, um, an RBI, um, getting on base, like these guys are so important to your lineup. And we saw what happened to the lineup when both Hunter Renfro and Willie Adamas were out of the lineup. It, it really affects guys like like um, like a Rowdy Telez. He he's going to get pitched around. He's not going to get as many pitches, you know. Obviously, to hit if he's getting pitched around. So it's like you got to have Hunter Renfro healthy. I don't know how you keep him healthy because now if this is a calf issue, now that's the second soft tissue issue in the last month, and that is a big deal. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how how to keep him in the lineup, but he is a very very important bat. Uh, hopefully he hopefully it is just a, a, a slight tweak and he's able to get back in the lineup tomorrow. I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy here, but we're approaching about the halfway point of the season, and the Brewers have been injured in this year basically from Jump Street. 
It has been something from the start. Luis Urias wasn't available when the season got started. They have never been fully healthy. And at some point in time, the narrative almost has to change from, well, when we get healthy, this will happen, to we're not healthy, we still need to figure out how to win despite the lack of health. Because uh, there's, there's no reason to believe that this team is ever going to be fully healthy this year. I agree. I agree, and it's almost like what Stearns and company has done in the past uh, is is go ahead and acquire extra depth to handle those injuries, and they just they don't have that extra depth this year. It seems. I mean, maybe they do, but there's, the injuries are just so plentiful that they really just can't overcome them. Um, certainly on the starting pitching staff. I mean, that's just. Very unlucky to have three of your aces basically um, go not not Burns, but three ace type pitchers go down. Uh, it's hard to over- overcome that for sure. The word that David Stearns used last year when they acquired Eduardo Escobar was redundancy because he gave you redundancy at third, he gave you redundancy at second, he gave you redundancy in the corner outfield spots. So he's a he's a utility guy, but he's an everyday utility guy. It feels like that's what this team needs. And this offseason, if you could have. If you would have come to me this offseason and said, every free agent is available and you can pick any free agent to put on the Brewers, the guy I would have picked would have been Chris Bryant because you can go play him wherever you want to play him. So, hey, Luis Urias hasn't been playing so well recently. Well, let's throw Bryant at third for a few days. Oh, Christian Yelich is slumping again. Well, we'll get him out there in left field. That's the, that's the kind of guy that I still feel like this team is missing. Now, they, they weren't going to pay him what the Rockies paid him. I get that. But that, that's, the, that's the profile guy that I feel like this team's missing. Yeah, and I'm sure they're scouring the, the, the trade wire for a name like that that doesn't cost as much as that because, yeah, that's a pipe dream to consider that the Brewers would pay that kind of dollars for a player um, on the free agent market. But, yeah, I mean, that's a really good point, Matt. That a guy like that gives you uh, so much versatility, gives you so much depth at each position, but also is a really, really feared bat in the lineup. Now, I would have picked a guy like uh, Kyle Schwarber. Now, th- those are dollars that they couldn't afford either, and it was a four-year deal that he did sign with the Washington Nationals. I'm sorry, the Philadelphia Phillies he signed with. So, um, th- But, yeah, a-, a bat, a feared bat that can that can give you some sort of defense or just play DH is what they're missing right now. And to be fair, Bryant's been injured almost the entire yeah. season this year. So, yeah. But not that that would have for sure happened here. But right. a lot of teams are dealing with injuries, and we've talked about I still think it's just the last few years of the lack of a, a schedule and lack of consistency and routine, and then the short spring training this year. Like, I just, this, this year just seemed like a year where you were going to have injuries, and I, th- I think that's happening. I go back to like just considering monitoring what it would look like if the Brewers had a six-man rotation again. And yeah. So I, I'm I'm curious to see what happens when Brandon Woodruff comes back. What they do if they do go back to that six-man. I hope they do personally. Uh, let's see what what happens. Yeah, I I I 100% agree. I don't think what we saw last year was a fluke when guys got that extra day of rest. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air. We'll come back and get the post game comments, manager. Craig Council in just a moment. This is Brewers Extra Innings. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. Ground ball. There it is. Adamas has it. Steps on second. Fires to first. It's a double play. Six to three. And the inning is over. No runs. One hit. A man left. 
Bottom of the fourth coming up, 5-0 Toronto. Ends up being a 9-4 score. The Brewers come up short against the Blue Jays. Welcome back in. Brewers extra innings rolling on here on WTMJ. First of a three-game series between these two teams tomorrow, a 3-10 first pitch, and then they'll wrap up the series on Sunday afternoon with a 1-10 first pitch. Adrian Hauser today, he ends up going six innings, allowing five runs on nine hits, three strikeouts, one walk. That line doesn't tell the whole story because all five runs that he gives up come in the second inning. Manager Craig Council spent some time talking with the media just a little while ago and talked about what went wrong specifically in that second inning for Hauser. I mean, he missed in the middle of the plate. And, um, you know, when you do that, it's, you know, they hit some balls hard. And, um, you know, the pitch to Guriel was, wasn't a bad pitch. Um, but, I mean, you know, he, he missed some balls in the middle of the plate and, and they hit him hard. Um, you know, sandwiched by some some positive signs, um, you know, and, and some good stuff. But um, it was a big inning, and it was, you know, a, a big inning and going against a pitcher who was, was pretty tough. Is that hard to figure out, Craig? Because, you know, the first inning has been his kind of trouble inning, and he got, you know, clean head pitches. Yeah, I mean, it's... You know, I mean, I think sometimes we get focused on that. I mean, it's in the end, you know, starter's going to go out there and face, you know, 23, 24 batters. Um, and and if, if you want to keep runs off the board, you got to be solid for a, a whole bunch of them. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately in tonight's outing, it was a, it was a string of right in a row where he made the mistakes. And it cost them. Um that's you know that's how it works sometimes um but uh you know they they, they put good swings on balls hit balls hard um and you know they, they had five runs on the board pretty quickly what do you make of the sorry Sophia, what do you make of the, the stretch of like the last four or five for adrian i mean you know there you know there's better in there right yeah i mean look i mean i think he's battling you know he's not there's no question he's not kind of the where he wants to be um you know, I mean, he, he, you know, he surrounded that outing. He, he gave us six innings tonight. Um, and, and so there's, that's a positive sign from it. But like I said, when you, when you string together just a bad run of six hitters and they all, they all do some damage, then there's going to be a number, crooked number on the board. Um, and, and you got to, we got to avoid that to limit runs. To get six out of him, though, I mean, that was a positive. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, the last two innings were, were, you know, just like the first to me, um, very, very good. So we got to keep keep going. There's, it's in, it's in there. Um, he's showing signs of it, but, you know, we got to string it together for, you know, the, the full outing. You talked before the game about Manoa, a guy that's on your radar is a really good pitcher. What do you think watching him line? Yeah, I mean he's he's got a really good fastball. Um, you know his breaking ball. I thought our righties did a pretty good job against his breaking ball. He, he threw some nice ones to our lefties to to kind of slow them down. Um, but but the fastball is a it's a good pitch and he he commands it well and he made some good pitches with his fastball um, that are that you know put him in places that just tough to tough to get good swings on him. That's manager Craig Council meeting with the media just a little while ago. You know, just sticking with this Hauser thing, it's almost in many ways it's more frustrating to watch a pitcher 
performed the way Hauser pitched tonight where he was really good in five of his six innings but has that one letdown inning. Now, if that happens every once in a while, okay, no big deal. Like That's that's baseball. That's pitching. Those things happen. But the fact that it has become at least a little bit of a trend that we see that kind of random bad outing for, bad inning for him, that that's the frustrating part. If you're if you've got a pitcher and they're just off and they have a bad night and it starts bad and it ends bad and yeah maybe there are some momentary uh just times where things look okay but it's it's just not a good night well then you just chalk it up as okay that was a bad night when when a guy just kind of loses it out of nowhere and all of a sudden they become prone to doing that it again it's hard to completely wrap your head around why that's happening and in many ways that's that's more frustrating. Like this this outing is more frustrating giving up five runs in six innings than if he would have given up one run in the first and two in the second and then one in the fourth and one in the fifth, you know, that that kind of day. Like the line looks the same, but watching the game certainly looks different. Nine four, that's the final. Brewers lose to Toronto. How does it all go down? We'll tell you what the highlights. That's next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Ready for this? This Get up! and this. Get out of here, Time for tonight's highlights. Here's Matt Foley. 9-4 Brewers come up short against the Blue Jays in the series opener tonight here at American Family Field. Starting a pitching matchup. The Brewers have Adrian Hauser on the mound while Alcanoa is getting the start for the Blue Jays. It would be the Blue Jays who would strike first after a scoreless first inning top of the second. Alejandro Kirk gets a base hit, and then Teoscar Hernandez singles. That puts runners on at first and second for Ronald Tapia, who singles as well. So the bases are loaded for Matt Chapman. Swinging a smash down the third baseline, past the diving Jace Peterson. I think three runs are going to score. They are, easily. And it is 3-0. Blue Jays. On a scorching double hit by Chapman. And they were not done in the inning. The next hitter is Lourdes Guriel. And the pitch. Swinging, drive to right. Deep, warning track, and caught and off the glove now of Tyrone Taylor. Another run is going to score. And uh, Toronto leads 4-0 on what will be another double for Guriel. After a Kavan Biggio base hit, Santiago Espinal would ground into a double play that would score a run, and then Bo Bichette would ground out for the final inning. A five-run second inning for the Blue Jays. In many ways, that kind of felt like that moment uh, the game was over. But to the Brewers' credit, in the third inning, they make some noise. Tyrone Taylor leads the inning off by walking, and then with two outs, a walk to Christian Yelich, and Willie Adamas reaches on there. So the Brewers have the bases loaded without the aid of a hit. There's two outs. You can make it a game with a Rowdy Telez big hit, a home run, an extra base hit with the bases loaded. Instead, Telez does this. 1-2. Swing and a bouncer. Hit to the right side into the shift. Bo Bichette has it and throws him out, and the Brewers will leave the bases loaded. More scoring opportunities for the crew, but couldn't get anything across. The end of three, Toronto five, Milwaukee nothing. Adrian Hauser continuing to work. Again, he bounced back after that bad inning. In the fourth inning, he gets uh, Matt Chapman to uh, strike out. 
after Guriel gets a base hit and Biggio walks, putting runners on at first and second. Santiago Espinal back at the plate. Ground ball, there it is. Adamas has it, steps on second, fires to first, it's a double play. Six to three, and the inning is over. No runs, one hit, a man left. Bottom of the fourth coming up, 5-0 Toronto. Brewers do get on the board in the fifth inning. Jace Peterson leads the on inning off with a base hit, then a Jonathan Davis single puts runners on at the corners for Christian Yelich, who grounds into an RBI fielder's choice. That scores Peterson, and it makes it a 5-1 game. To the sixth inning we go, and Adrian Hauser still working. He didn't think he was going to have a six-inning out, six outing after giving up five runs in the second, but he did. He gets two outs pretty quickly in the sixth and then faces off against Guriel. One strike, here comes Hauser. Swinging a soft fly ball to left. Yelich going to get there in plenty of time, and the inning is over. Three up and three down. Five and a half were on the book. It remains five to one Blue Jays on the Brewers radio network. That ends up being the final out that Adrian Hauser would record as Trevor Kelly comes in to pitch for the Brewers in the top of the seventh inning. First batter he faces is Kavon Biggio. 3-2 coming and a swing and a fly ball out to right. Back and way back and gone for Kevin Biggio. It's his second of the season. Second hit of the game. First home run hit by the Blue Jays today, and that makes a five-run lead again. It's 6-1 Toronto. So Kevin Biggio gets the home run. The next two outs would be recorded by Kelly, but then gives up a base hit to Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and it brings up Alejandro Kirk. And Kirk lines one to left. That is trouble and gone. Alejandro Kirk is four for four. And that one, a two-run blast. That didn't get more than about 20 feet off the ground. It's a three-run seventh inning for Toronto to make it an 8-1 lead. The Brewers get back on the board in the bottom of the seventh inning. The leadoff hitter in the inning is Tyrone Taylor. Swing and a fly ball left center. Deep and gone. Tyrone Taylor with a solo home run. That's his ninth. Makes it 8-2. Manoa would get Jace Peterson to a fly out and Jonathan Davis to a strikeout. But as his pitch count continued to escalate, the decision was to take him out of the game. Matt Gage comes in after walking Christian Yelich. He gets Willie Adamas to strike out. Brewers get one run in the seventh, making it an 8-2 game. Peter Strezlecki throws a scoreless eighth inning. Uh, Brewers go down somewhat quietly in the eighth, and then we head to the ninth inning. Strezlecki continuing to pitch for the Brewers. Kevin Biggio leads the inning off in the ninth with a walk. The next two hitters, Espinal and Bichette, each strike out, and it brings up the always dangerous Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And the pitch. Guerrero lines one to the gap in left center. Davis going to run this one down at the wall. It's going to score a run. Guerrero into second base with a run scoring double, and it's now 9-2 Blue Jays. That would be the score going to the bottom of the ninth inning as the Brewers look for a big inning. Omar Nervaez leads the inning off with a double. Tyrone Taylor then singles. So runners on at the corners. A strikeout of Jace Peterson, but then a walk to Jonathan Davis. And the bases are loaded for Christian Yelich. Here it is. Yelich lines one over a leaping Espinal in the left field. I should say right field. One run's going to score. And the Brewers still in there. 
Yeah, bases remain loaded. Narvaez scores. Taylor to third. Davis to second. That ends the day for Jeremy Beasley, who was on the mound for the Blue Jays. And uh, on comes Adam Simber. He faces off against Willie Adamas, who uh, grounds into an RBI ground out to score Tyrone Taylor. And uh, that's a second run on the board. Davis at third. Yelich was out at second on the play. So you have runners on at uh, first and third after that RBI fielder's choice is what it was. And there's two outs. It brings up the former Blue Jay, Rowdy Tellez. And Willie Adama's going to run a swing and a fly ball. This one's going to wind up in the seats, I hope. In the corner and caught it. We lost him. He caught it. Yeah. Where, where I was sitting, and I had a better view on that than Uke did all the way down the right field line. The box that I'm sitting in is probably a good uh, 40 feet towards the left field line. I couldn't see what was going on down in that corner. I thought that was a foul ball, and then I'm watching uh, both teams walk off the field, and obviously the play was made, and uh, the final score ends up being 9-4 in favor of the Blue Jays with the win. Toronto... They go to 40 and 30. The Brewers drop to 40 and 33. Winning totals for Toronto: nine runs, 13 hits, one error. They leave four for the Brewers. Four runs, eight hits, no errors. They leave eight. The uh, winning pitcher in this contest. Stand by for that as I reload. Making sure I get that right. Should be Manoa. It is. He's nine and two. Uh, Hauser takes the loss. He drops to four and eight. Home runs in the game. Biggio hits his second. Kirk hits his ninth for Toronto. Taylor hitting his ninth of the year for the Brewers. The game lasting three hours and 16 minutes. Play in front of a crowd of 32,166 folks here at American Family Field. Once again, Brewers come up short. They lose to Toronto 9-4 in the series opener. We'll look ahead to the second game of the series tomorrow afternoon. Also get you some scores from around baseball. Brewers lose to Toronto 9-4. This is Brewers Extra Innings. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. the Brewers lose to the Blue Jays in the series opener today. Welcome back in. Brewers Extra Innings rolls on. Just a few minutes left in the program as we will take you till midnight tonight. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Or tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. S. Jones tweeting in saying, is Ben Attendee still on the table for a potential trade? We need some offensive help bad. I think Benatendi is likely to uh, get traded. There are a number of outfielders who are likely to get traded, and many of them, their bats would look quite good in the middle of the lineup for the Brewers. Yeah, Some of it, though, does have to do with positional fit. Uh, Hunter Renfro, you're, he's done a really nice job on this team. He's this team's uh, right fielder. I don't think anybody's going to be removing Christian Yelich no matter the struggles, and he's done a nice job at the top of the lineup since being moved uh, to the leadoff spot, so you kind of look at center field. Benatendi is not a center fielder. Could you potentially play Yelich in center field? I guess you could, but that one, I mean, it's not that would not be great from a defensive standpoint. I mean, if you're going to put Yelich there, I guess you could probably put Benatendi there. So, again, there are some bats that fit where do they fit on the team? It's a it's a really odd kind of puzzle right now because clearly, 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 and I've talked about this over and over, clearly this team needs to score more runs. Where where do you upgrade? And you know, Tyrone, we're we're talking about center field. 
Tyrone Taylor has is back kind of in a, in a bit of a groove here. You can argue that he has been one of the best offensive players for this team, and he's hitting home runs, and that's something that they that they need. Um, I'm a believer in Rowdy Telez. I'm a believer in Colton Wong. I'm a believer in Willie Adamas. I'm a believer in Luis Urias. Now, the one thing I would say with Urias is I think if you go get somebody, if you go get the Eduardo Escobar type like the Brewers did last year and a guy who certainly can play some third base, then you're able to use Urias in the same way that you used him last year where he's playing almost every day, but you're playing him at third, you're playing him at short, you're playing him uh, at second. So I guess that's one area where when you're doing the whole roster construction thing when it comes to uh, adding a bat, uh, that, that would make sense. But it's a, it's a complicated deal right now. Like when, when we do the whole armchair general manager thing, like, oh, yeah, that, that guy's bat would really look good. And yeah, Andrew Benintendi's bat would look good in the Brewers lineup. But how does that really work? How, who's playing center field if you go acquire a Benintendi? And I just I don't think this team has any interest in sitting down Christian Yelich, and I don't think this team has any interest in uh, sitting down Hunter Renfro. Nor do I think that really helps you that much. So I don't know. It's uh, they got to score more runs. They got to figure out a way to do it. They got to figure out a way to score more runs when they're not hitting home runs, and they got to figure out a way to hit more home runs because even even if they do what I just said, find a way to score more runs when they're not hitting home runs, even if that is a true statement, it is also a true statement that this team is going to win more games and win a lot of their games as a result of hitting home runs. So it's a complicated thing. It has been an inconsistent offensive club, really, from the moment the season got started. Uh, there have been some times, and we talked about this, the the, uh, the there have been some times where the aggregate offensive numbers have looked really good, but they've been boosted up from just a few individual performances like in games, individual games where they've scored a ton of runs. Uh, but it's just been it has been up and down, and it's just been incredibly inconsistent from an offensive standpoint pretty much the entire season. Let's get some scores from around baseball. The Brewers remain in a tie for first place in the NL Central. They can thank the Cubs for that. The Cubs go to St. Louis tonight, and they win by a 3 nothing score. Kyle Hendricks pitched really well for Chicago. Seven and a third innings. He gives up just five hits, six strikeouts, one walk. Andre Palante goes for uh, St. Louis. He went six innings, allowing three runs on seven hits. He ends up uh, taking the loss. Nico Horner hit a home run for the Cubs. St. Louis did not have a home run. Pirates lose in 10 innings in Tampa by a 4-3 score. And the Reds are in action as we speak. They are in San Francisco, matched up against the Giants. And the Reds right now lead by a 4-2 score. That game goes to the bottom of the ninth inning. So San Francisco is going to be looking for at least a couple runs in the bottom of the ninth to uh, tie it more than two runs if they want to win it. Around the Brewers minor league system, we'll start with Low A Carolina playing at Down East, and Down East comes away with the six-nothing uh, win over the uh, Mudcats this evening. The Wisconsin Timber Rattlers they come up with a win today as they knock off uh, Quad Cities. Four-three was the final there. Double A Biloxi playing at home against Pensacola. Biloxi 
gets a walk-off winner. They score one run in the bottom of the ninth. They score a run in the bottom of the eighth to tie it 4-4, and then they get a run in the bottom of the ninth to win it 5-4. AAA Nashville at home against Gwinnett today, and Nashville gets the 8-3 win. Dylan File picking up the victory for Nashville. He is now 3-3 three and three with an ERA that is sitting at 4.5. Once again, Brewers today... They lose. They fall to Toronto by a 9-4 score in Game 1 of this three-game set. Coming up tomorrow, pretty good pitching matchup, especially from a Brewers standpoint, as Corbin Burns is going to be on the mound, the defending Cy Young Award winner. The right-hander comes in 5-4 and four with a 2.31 ERA. It's going to be a left-hander in Yusei Kikuchi who gets the start tomorrow for uh, the Blue Jays. He comes in with a 2-3 and three record and a 4.94 ERA. A 3:10 first pitch tomorrow. So what that means is network coverage. It is set to begin at 2:35 overall. Coverage will begin at 2 o'clock tomorrow. I will have you for uh, Brewers warm up from 2 o'clock until network coverage hits, and then uh, myself and Vinny Rotino, we will be back with you after the game for Brewers extra innings. Once again, Brewers lose to Toronto tonight by a 9-4 score. We'll talk to you tomorrow for more Brewers baseball.